Hello and welcome to Gaming Under Fire, the podcast made by and for fans of video game shooters. I'm your host, Tasman, and this week going solo to bring this special one-shot episode as we give a single game the old Gaming Under Fire review treatment. In this inaugural episode, I'm going to break down my experience with the brand new RPG looter shooter, Outriders. Before we get into the episode, be sure to follow the podcast by clicking on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating and review, that would be very much appreciated as well. We're currently doing a review of the Doom franchise, and Doom 64 being the latest in the series for my co-host Knucklehead and I, with our Doom 3 review soon to follow. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Gaming Under Fire, and you can join the discussion in our Discord server, link in the show description. But without further ado, let's get on to Outriders. Today, we shall see victory! A great new ultimate fights at our side! The anomaly should have killed us. But instead, it left us something more. Altered and Outrider. Only we can lead them to a future. Whatever we were before, we're something new now. We were given a second life. We can't waste it. As I stated earlier, Outriders is an upcoming post-apocalyptic third-person over-the-shoulder online RPG looter shooter developed by People Can Fly, and this is their first major game since leaving Epic Games. Previously, they've had credits on games like the Gears of War franchise, Bulletstorm, and Painkillers. Gears of War and Bulletstorm definitely having influence in Outriders as we see through the demo. The game is being published by acclaimed Japanese studio Square Enix, famous of course for Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, and Dragon Quest, etc, etc. And the game will be utilizing the Unreal 4 engine. Now the gameplay, it is intended to be a multiplayer PvE class-based looter, so it's not a game as a service. There's no microtransactions as of now, and they have not announced that there are going to be microtransactions in the game. So you purchase the game. Everything that's in the game is you get what you get. There is a pre-order bonus, so if you do decide to pre-order the game, 
you get the Hell's Ranger pack, basically gear and weapons. And later on in the game, as you travel between cities to cities in the game, you take out this really cool like ATV type vehicle and you can uh, customize that as well. So that's pretty much the only quote unquote microtransaction that's happening in the game. So that's actually a really nice change on most looter shooters being a game as a service. So that definitely ticks this game into the positive column for sure. Yeah, I've been doing this game pretty much solo. All of my attempts to actually link up with others uh, in an attempt to do that for this podcast all failed. Uh, I later learned that this part is actually broken. Although on a recent playthrough, someone did join me mid quest and it damn near crashed my game on my laptop however i prefer going it solo so lucky for me the game is a formidable uh, solo looter as well the level design unfortunately really isn't all that great the play spaces are rather boring and bland they really meld into the background a bit too much a lot of browns and beiges and grays just very uninspired in this section of the world also the layouts of the engagement areas look really fake really set up very arcade shooter ish type of deal very much can see the influence of gears of war in this one like you come up to an area and it's empty but you immediately know there's going to be a gunfight about to take place is there about 15 bunkers set up for cover so uh, it really kind of it, it doesn't look natural the level design doesn't look natural it doesn't really flow very well um, it's just these really narrow corridor spots that you run and then once you get into a wide open space with a bunch of muggers that's your that's your gunfight rinse repeat yes this is a cover based shooter as well uh, but the cover appears to mostly be for the enemy ai to hide from you more on that in a minute when we start talking about your skills when you do enter into cover it's clunky as all hell it doesn't always work correctly leaving you open to enemy onslaught you also can't get around cover you can't do that round cover move like you can in every other cover based shooter ever so you have to leave cover go to the spot that you want to turn and then re-enter cover and that doesn't always work as smoothly as I just described either. Mantling over cover isn't quite right either. Some objects you can jump over, some you can't. You don't really know until you try it out, so that has really kind of messed up as well. One more thing I'll talk about gameplay is the motion blur in this game. I really wish developers would stop putting motion blur into games. We don't like it. Gamers don't like motion blur. It gives us a headache. And in a game like a looter shooter where the whole idea is to grind for better and better gear and to continuously put time and hours into the game, when there's motion blur giving you a headache, it's incentive to shut the game off. So they really need to get that motion blur. It is awful. It is almost like Halo Reach levels of motion blur and i'm talking halo reach from the 360. as far as the combat goes the weapons 
that you utilize, it's really kind of a hit or miss. Things like the assault rifles, submachine guns, and light machine guns, they really seem to lack that bit of punch to them. I don't know if it's an animation, sounds, combination of the both. They're just not as satisfying to use as much as on the other side, the shotguns, the sniper rifles, those are very, very satisfying, pack a lot of punch. There's something that's very cathartic about pulling the trigger on a shotgun and watching the enemy in front of you just explode into bits of icky red goo. And then with sniper rifles, and honestly with the ARs as well, uh, pretty much any weapon that you use, if the final shot is a headshot, the head of your opponent exploding. I mean, this is very Gears of War. A lot of this really feels like a Gears of War game in a looter shooter genre without being called Gears of War. There are very similar instances in the combat to Gears of War as far as the gunplay goes. Uh, as far as uh, the shotguns and headshot kills, those are both very satisfying, uh, much to um, very similar to that of the Gears series. So I really, really, really enjoy using those weapons, getting those final kill shots. By far the most satisfying part of the combat really is utilizing your near godlike skills based on your choice of one of the four available classes. Currently, you can choose between the Technomancer, which is your long-range support that utilizes gadgets and makes weapons. Uh, this one, it spawns turrets that freeze your enemies and case them in ice and make them easy pickings for you and either you know your weapon of choice. Or it utilizes the carnage and the spare pieces of weaponry around you to construct a mortar. Uh, and that mortar is absolutely sick. Uh, you can create bombs, etc. The Technomancer is a lot of fun to use. Uh, probably my second favorite of all of them. Your next one is the Trickster, which is a close range, hit and run, bender of space time. They can teleport behind enemies and assassinate them with this sword. It's like either a sword or a dagger. I don't know. It just it swings this thing across and it just melts any AI enemies that are around you into nothing but their bare bones. And then as if that wasn't enough, on top of that, their bones then explode. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Really awesome little skill. Uh, it can also spawn this bubble where all the enemies that are captured inside of it Move about as fast as my co-host Knucklehead in quicksand. In other words, very, very slow, and it makes them very easy to kind of pick off because you're still moving at regular speed. It's a lot of fun with this particular skill to uh, chain some of these skills together and to really induce maximum carnage. Teleport, use your slice exploder ability, and then create that time bubble around everybody else that's left and just pick them off it was so much fun to use the trickster is definitely uh one if you like the uh, close range run and gun type of deal that it would be your skill set to take you've got the pyromancer which is your medium range conjurer of fire he casts fire spells to not only deal burning damage onto your enemies but also leech their health from them to replenish your own so he's got this skill where he sends his beam of fire out and he pulls it back to him, and he kind of reminds me of Scorpion. It's just, get over here, give me your health. Uh, and then he also does this thing where he conjures up fire from the ground, and it just goes in this straight line out towards your enemies. 
And if it hits them, not only does it deal the fire damage, but then when you kill them while marked with your skill, you get health replenished when they die. So that's really a cool one. That's the one that I started with. I liked it, but not as much as the next one, which was definitely my favorite, the Devastator. Your close range tank standing your ground. Utilizes the rocks around you to create an armor of stone when you're in a tight squeeze. Also allows you to conjure a spike of stone on the other side of cover to give your opponents a very unpleasant surprise from the ground. Uh, there, he also does like this Hulk smash type skill where he slams the ground and like this earthquake goes out and it deals uh, damage up uh, to enemies that are caught in its wake. It's really a really fun, especially if you kind of like the trickster if you like that run and gun if you like getting up close and personal this is definitely the class for you what really helped me out too i also came across a legendary shotgun as well so you mix a legendary shotgun with a class that is supposed to and balanced to, to be up close and personal it was just a oh, hot knife through butter through the rest of that playthrough so 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 much fun each of these four classes has eight different skills, but only three can be used at any one time, and they vary from attack skills, defense skills, and utility, so you kind of want to try to balance those out uh, through your build. In the demo, you're actually only allowed to unlock four of the eight, so that's kind of a bummer, but uh, a good bit of time with each one to develop a few favorites, as well as some loadouts that uh, tend to work in your best interest. Skills re recharge rather quickly, and this is really an attempt to get you out of cover as much as possible. Enemies will flank you, they will get behind you, and they throw grenades to make you stay on the move, so the skills are essential to getting recharged quickly and to help overtake the enemy horde, so that way you're not sitting in cover forever and ever and ever. There is also your customary skill tree, which will allow your character to become even more devastating by obtaining skill points. However, you're only able to obtain one skill point in each of the classes for this demo, so you're not even scratching the surface as far as what you can do and the kinds of skill combinations you can even begin to come up with just yet. You basically grow your character by choosing one of the three uh, skill tree paths to either make your weapons more powerful, your skills more powerful, a beast with health, and there are sections of the tree where you can then cross over into different areas as well. So very interesting what people will be able to do with these classes and these skill points as they progress through the game. As far as the gear goes, looter shooters should be all about, well, they should be about the loot. And unlike other shooters where your stats and gear are all about getting to the end game, Outriders has you caring about your build from the get-go, with even low-level gear giving you some game-changing attributes called perks. Perks can be mixed and matched by dismantling unwanted gear and weapons and placing those perks with other gear or weapons to come up with an absolute godlike armor and weaponry. They're sorted by Roman numerals, so one being the lowest of the perks, and then I've seen two and three, and I think it goes up to three, a level three perk. Uh, that would be your, your legendary stuff. You can actually even take perks from legendary gear when you dismantle them and add them onto other legendary gear that you like and just come up with something that is just so powerful and amazing even at some of your lower levels uh, to help you progress 
through the game. And that's this isn't even necessarily talking about the look of the gear. Some of this gear looks absolutely badass. Some of it looks like it's out of Destiny, <laughs> unfortunately, so it looks like it's a bit copycatish. But uh, if you go online and check out some of the legendary gear that is in this game, it is really, really sweet. Uh, personally, I was able to get a hold of the Airy Master shotgun, and I was able to get that with my Devastator class, and oh, it was so, so much fun. Uh, it made what was a frustrating world tier difficulty system uh, go by much, much smoother. Uh, with that so that was just kind of a taste of what you can do even on a character level of like a four or five uh, and what you can do in this game with that really really very cool and a lot of fun oh man oh how I carved through enemies and world tears once I got a hold of that shotgun like a hot knife through butter that oh that combo was just fantastic speaking of enemies you had your standard run-of-the-mill type of enemies at least in the demo for the most part you've got your standard mid-range cannon fodder you've got some snipers the occasional rusher uh, is what is a bulk of what you'll face as opposition in this demo in these quests so far they've come from I think maybe three different factions so there is definitely some faction warfare going on out there as well but you start to get the idea of who does what you know, by the second quest, uh, they all seem to run the same type of enemy format. But let's not forget about the captains. They are also altered like you are, but have limited skills, but can still be a thorn in the side, especially on some of the higher world tiers. Playing through the main quest, you do get to face another altered like yourself. Gauss is an altered who wields the powers of electricity. And on higher world tiers, there can be he can be pretty difficult if you don't have the right gear to go up against them. So you might actually even want to play through some of the other quests first before you finish off that main reunion quest and go up against the big baddie, or at least be really good with some of your skills. Controls for this game, I was on my laptop playing with a controller. Yes, hate mail can be sent to gamingunderfireshow at gmail.com for that one, but it still always felt a little bit funky. And so I don't know if that's because it's the controller on a PC or if the controller on the console feels just as funky. I would like to know how that would feel by comparison. I've already discussed the problems with cover, which takes up most of the funky spots here. Otherwise, at least on, at least on the controller that I had, everything is laid out well. It makes sense. It tends to follow trends as far as what each of the Xbox controllers do in other shooters on the genre. Holy load screens in this game. There's a ton of load screens and load screens will come one after another after another in succession. Quick example for you, when leaving the main base of operations to continue that reunion quest and go outside the walls of the base, you have to open a giant door. So you have a cutscene loading screen, right? It, it, goes into a cutscene of the, the wall going up for you to go out. Followed by a traditional count up to 100% loading screen. Followed by an in-game loading sequence of another gate being opened. Three different versions of loading screens. And all of that for what turns out to be a really boring and really bland landscape so far. They really need to find a way to better optimize the loading. Unless a loading screen hat trick is really what they're going for, it slows the game down. 
The difficulty is controlled by world tiers. So think uh, division here. The better you get, the higher the world tier goes, the better loot you get. However, you're not stuck at any specific world tier. You can stay at the highest level you've unlocked and keep progressing forward to get better and better loot. Or you can drop it down a few levels if you find yourself getting owned. Or just want to make a cruise through the story, you can drop it all the way down to world tier 1 and stay there for the entirety of the game. For me, this is where the game gets a bit tricky. Either it's my lack of skill in an otherwise unfamiliar genre, or this needs a bit of a tweak. I felt like the progression was a bit too quick, and I got to world tier 3 and was just constantly running into brick walls masquerading as captains. My gear and skills just weren't up to the challenge of the tier I'd earned. And so I found these types of battles completely hopeless, at least until I came across my legendary weaponry on, on my Devastator. Then it seemed like it was a little bit too much of a cakewalk, blasting through captains with ease with that thing. So a bit of balancing might be needed to address this here before launch. I will say as I played through with the Technomancer and finished off with the Trickster, uh, I, I started to kind of get a, a hang of the whole skills in this game and how fast they recharge and being able to almost spam them. And that made things, one, it made things a lot more fun because I think the use of skills in this game is going to be where the fun is in the combat. But two, I, I think it definitely helped me overcome some of those problems I was having with the difficulty, getting myself up to world tier four and five and i believe five is the cutoff for the demo which is also nice because then it gives you more opportunities to get more legendary gear and this game has shown at least in the demo that in some of the smaller world tiers they've got no problems going ahead and giving people legendary gear to help them out you know through the early part of the game as far as the the game's replayability so here's here's the deal right looter shooters need a really satisfying they need really satisfying loot they need satisfying combat loops and different types of engagements and different types of ways to interact with the game to keep people interested, right? So far, the loot has been pretty good. As I said, legendary items aren't really held from players as tightly as games like, say, Anthem. But the combat itself is, meh, it's all right. Skills are great. The gunplay is pretty meh. The demo is about three hours though to be fair half of that is a walking talking sim and very cutscene heavy prologue uh, all that taking you to do for the first chapter so all of that taking you uh, through to the first chapter so honestly out of that three hours one and a half hours you get six to seven quests to complete in this demo by about the third playthrough for me, when I was going through with the Technomancer, I was already starting to get bored. Some of that is because, obviously, these are the exact same quests and dialogue four different times. But I sure hope that with the full game, there is something to help keep interest alive, keep players coming back. Uh, because if you're at hour three and people are already starting to get bored in a looter shooter that is going to have hours upon hours of gameplay you better have something that's going to keep and hold their interest and i'm concerned just in the demo that that's not going to be there the other nice thing about this game is this game has story yes 
So the story of this game is pretty simple, right? Earth is from some sort of unknown catastrophe is no longer livable. And so these two colony ships leave Earth to set course to this planet called Enoch to repopulate humanity in a new home. Your ship is the only one of the two to actually make it. And upon landing on the planet and kind of scouting it out, uh, you get stuck into this elemental anomaly. It's a storm that they call the anomaly. And in this anomaly, it throws these lightning bolts that either shred people to bits, disintegrate them, or turn them into superhuman gods. Now, you get hurt in this storm. You're put into cryo-freeze, and you are left there for 31 years. So in that 30 years, the planet has kind of repopulated in this small section of the planet, unable to leave because of that anomaly that you encountered in the, in the prologue of the game. Now, as I said, when you get into the anomaly, it has turned you, it has given you superpowers. So <laughs> superpowers from lightning. It's like the flash on the CW. Or did he get that from Speed Force? Or I don't know. I stopped watching it when the whole Speed Force thing came in. But let's just say you're getting you're getting superpowers from a storm. And you come to find out that not only is your position as Outrider, which is basically a soldier of fortune type from the old Earth days, uh, but you're now also Outrider and what they call Altered. And you have these special skills and abilities that make you superhuman. And that's kind of where we're at. Uh, in that 31 years that you've been in sleep, things have not gone well for humanity. Being stuck so close together with limited resources, we've kind of gone back to some of our old warring ways that destroyed Earth. Uh, that we at least assume that's what happened. And we have these facts, numerous factions fighting against each other with altered combatants kind of picking and choosing the battles that they fight as well. So that's where you are with the story. It's super, super thin, three hours into the game. But again, this is just such a small section. I'm glad that this game has story, unlike games like The Division, where it started with story, but now you get into Division 2, and that story is practically non-existent at this point. Anthem's story was ridiculously confusing, and so I'm hoping that this game doesn't fall down the Anthem path, right? Because, unfortunately... As somebody who really hoped that Anthem would do really, really well, Anthem's story was awful. And unfortunately, I'm getting a lot of Anthem vibes from this game. I'm getting a lot of Anthem vibes from this story. When you make a storm as one of your main antagonists of a game, unless you're the movie Twister that did it really well, most other times where you have a storm as your main antagonist does not come out well. See Ryan Reynolds' version of Green Lantern as a major example of when a storm as the bad guy doesn't turn out well. Uh, also the aforementioned Anthem. So a little concerned about the story. I think it's probably not going to end up being something that's super important to this game. I just hope that it's coherent unlike Anthem. And it's actually at least starting out that way. Um, it would be interesting to see if you're actually fighting on the good side or the bad side when all is said and done. Right now, the two main factions, the one you're fighting for is the ECA, 
and then the uh, opposing faction, the insurgents. It would be just interesting, and I probably some sort of twist in the game to f end up finding out you're actually fighting for the bad guys. So uh, we'll see kind of how the story plays out over the course of the demo. Hopeful, but cautiously optimistic is what I'll say for the story. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention in this section here the shaky as hell cutscenes that are going on in this game. Like, holy crap, the cinematographer from Cloverfield is looking at these cutscenes and going, wow, can somebody hold that camera still? They're awful. And every now and then you get this situation where the uh, dialogue is ahead of the captions or vice versa, or sometimes the sound isn't matching up with the action that's happening during the cutscene. Uh, People Can Fly said that they are going to be working on trying to fix this for when the game does release in full, but uh, it's looking like they might be able to stabilize it a little, but in order to get it all the way back to a completely stable camera and everything lining up, they would have to redo the cutscenes, and I just don't think that there's enough time for them to do that, so we may have to deal with a little bit of shaky cam, but hopefully they get that under control before the game is fully released. And so that's basically the Outriders demo in a nutshell. Uh, as far as what I've thought of the game, uh, I've enjoyed it during portions and I've gotten bored in some portions. Uh, overall, I think that it's, it's a solid game. I don't think it's something I'm going to purchase right away. I'm definitely not going to be pre-ordering it as it begs you to do when you get to the end of every single class that you can try this is going to be an anthem replacement for me i played anthem occasionally as something to change it up and something to do that was just different and i think this is probably going to be a game that will take that spot for me i'll probably wait a few months wait for the price to drop down uh, and depending on where it drops harder whether it's console or PC, is going to depend on where I, pot, where I buy it. The nice thing is, is that no matter which console or platform that you decide to play the game, it is universal cross-play. So anybody that has Outriders, you can cross-play with them. Xbox and the whole Xbox One family of consoles, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Steam. They announced Stadia, but I... Isn't Stadia dead? Something like that? I don't know. But regardless, wherever Outriders is, you'll be able to cross-play with anybody anywhere. So that is a nice thing. Uh, and honestly, at this point in time in gaming, especially for a game that is PvE only for now, uh, universal cross-play should always be a thing. But yeah, this is definitely not an immediate buy for me. This is going to be something. I'm going to wait to see the price drop. Buy it then, and this will be my once in a while to change things up in between whatever game I'm playing for the podcast to just kind of, you know, kind of sit back and relax and just have a little bit of, of mindless fun. So that's what Outriders is for me. If you have played Outriders and you have an opinion on it, jump into our Discord server, and I'll leave a link in the description of the show. You can jump in, tell us what you think. You can also reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Gaming Under Fire. Let me know what you think about the Outriders demo. And also let me know what you thought about this little one-shot episode of the podcast. 
uh, trying to do something to add a little bit more content to the channel. So if this was something that you guys liked, uh, let me know. If it's something that you're like, hey, kind of stick with, you know, the the storyline or the the gaming franchise that you're working on right now, you know, let us know that too. Or if there are other games that you'd like to see, kind of do this like little one shot series. Let me know. Send me a message on all of our various social media, as well as our email, gamingunderfireshow at gmail.com. And with that, guys, I'll go ahead and I will end this episode. And I will see you guys next time when Knucklehead will be back and we will be doing Doom 3. Can't wait for that. Till then, guys, peace.